Good morning, everyone. This is our first post-Easter Sunday services. Welcome, everyone. It's great to be with you again. Um, how many of you were here last week? I know most of you were here. It was a, what an amazing Easter we had together. Come on, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And what a great message Pastor Kyle brought. You know, Pastor Kyle touched on so many great things, but I loved how he brought the, the proof of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It was just so amazing. Like, you know, it's not just what we read in our Bibles. There's so many proofs that um, prove that Jesus is risen and he's alive today. But the status where we are one week post-Easter is that Jesus is still alive. He's still risen from the dead, and he is with us in the midst of us here right now. Come on, can we give him praise for that? Can we give Jesus the praise? When we think about Easter, we think about the tomb. We think about the, the Mary and running to the tomb and Peter and John, and we think about them not believing back at the Galilee, not believing, is he really risen from the dead? And we think about the angel on top of the tomb. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. We, we, we love that, that just celebrating that event, that historical event that we know by fact took place. But you know, the resurrection is so much more than a historical event. It is so much more for us and in our lives. What Jesus did in the resurrection was not just to prove that he was deity. It wasn't just to prove some, something to someone. What Jesus did in the resurrection has far more benefits for you and for me. For the last 2,000 years, the church has been preaching the message that Jesus is alive. As a matter of fact, without the message of the resurrection of Jesus, there would be no church. Why should we even get together if he's not alive? But we know he is risen. We know that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Because we sense it. We know it. And he's changed our hearts. He's changed our lives. We're not the people that we used to be. We died with him on the cross and we rose into this brand new life that we have. This new life started with a new birth. We are born again and we are brand new creations in Christ because of what Christ has done for us at Easter. So the title of my message today is Risen with Christ. When he rose, you rose with him when you put your faith in what he has done. When John the beloved apostle wrote the book of Revelation, he saw Jesus. He saw the glorified Jesus. And this is what he said. John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, fear not. Man, don't you love the fact that Jesus' first words were fear not? He said, I am the first and the last. 
I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. The one who died and rose again is alive forevermore. He is the first and the last, as he said. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The one who was, who is, and who is to come. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. The Lamb of God and the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The one who died and rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father. His name is Jesus, and he is worthy to be praised. Come on, church, death could not hold him. He has broken the power of death over our lives. We will live forever because he lives forever. We need not fear hell, death, sickness, adversity, nor any other foe. Jesus is risen, and because of what he's done, we shall overcome in every facet of life. Yeah, that's worthy of an applause for what he's done. Philippians 2.9 says, God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every other name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, he's worthy to be praised. He's exalted to the right hand of the Father and we worship him. There's no, there's no misunderstanding with who we're worshiping this morning. We're worshiping the risen Savior. And you know, it brings glory to the Father when we worship him. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Oh, it brings the Father glory when you worship Jesus. So what does the resurrection of Jesus that took place 2,000 years ago mean for us today? I'm glad you asked that. I've got four answers. But you know, there's probably way more answers in the scriptures. But I'm just going to bring four, unless you want to stay with me for a few hours. Here's number one. The resurrection gives us new life. Oh, Pastor Lane, we know that already. No, you don't. No, you don't. New life. We ain't who we was. We ain't who we was. I ain't who I was. Rewind my life 38 years. I'm not the man that I was. The greatest evidence of the resurrection of Jesus is a changed life. How he could transform a person and make them brand new. My friends look at me like, who are you? My friends from 38 years ago, who are you? To me, the greatest proof is that my life's been changed. I was bound up, I was addicted, I was blind, I was lost, groping in the darkness looking for fulfillment. The more I drank, the thirstier I got. I was without direction. I was without true life in my soul. Yeah, I might have been the life of the party at times, but I didn't have real life inside. But God knew. He saw my emptiness. He came to fill the void. 
the gap, the gaping hole. He came and he filled it 38 years ago. And I stand here today still testifying of the resurrection of Jesus. That he wasn't just good for me 38 years ago when I put my faith in his death and resurrection. No. Listen, he lives forevermore. In Isaiah 53, it says, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's always active. He's always working. He's always doing something on our behalf when we put our faith in him. He's like, oh yeah, you want to put your faith in me? Watch what I can do for you. There's so much that God desires to do, and it's way beyond just forgiving us of our sins. That happened on Friday, but on Sunday, he rose. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He turned my sorrow into joy. He filled my emptiness with his fullness. He forgave me of all my sins. I stepped out of that meeting on August 16, 1983, a new man, born again, filled with new life. I was risen from the dead. I know that he changed me. Listen, I know that God changed my heart. I walked out of there different. I didn't really understand anything about the Lord. I didn't know any of the word of God. But I knew that by his spirit, something happened. Something took place on the inside of me. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So our confession is more than just Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins and you're my savior. It is Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins and you're my savior. And I also put my faith in your resurrection power. Come on, I believe that you rose from the dead and that you're alive right now. A very present help in a time of trouble. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved or delivered. God is very present to us, even here I am 38 years later, and when I call upon the name of the Lord, he responds. He's alive. I'm here to testify. I'm here to build your faith this morning, to, to know that God is not only with you, but he desires to bring you to new places in him. The resurrect, He's alive forevermore, and there's so much more that he has for us. So now we can say that we've been buried with him in baptism and raised to a brand new life in Christ. Our old sinful ways and the ways that we lived our lives all went to the cross with Jesus. Hello? Somebody say amen in the house. Listen, I want, let's, let's play some audience participation. I want you to read this scripture with me. Now, I don't want you to just read this scripture. I want you to proclaim it from your heart. Would you do that with me? It's Galatians 2.20. It's one of those that we should memorize. Galatians 2.20. Let's ready on your market set. Go. I have been crucified with Christ. Stop. Now everybody on your mark, get set, go. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me.
Isn't that good? Man, you sounded great when you did that. Here's my second. What does it mean for us today? What does the resurrection mean? Number two, the resurrection provides freedom from sin. I know I've been forgiven on the cross. He shed his blood. Blood was the mercy of God poured out. Without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness. So we know that with the shedding of his blood, I've been forgiven of my sin, cleansed by the blood of the lamb. Hallelujah. Right? But he did way more than that. He did way more than that in the resurrection. In the resurrection, not only am I now forgiven because what Jesus did on the cross, but in the resurrection, now I have power to overcome that very sin that put him on the cross. I don't have to be like, oh, please, Jesus. Oh, thank you for forgiving me. I know that your grace is sufficient. Your grace is there to answer my, and and please forgive me for all the things that I did bad last night. Listen, he has so much more for you. Those sins are supposed to be on the bottom of our shoes. Come on, he's given us power to overcome those things that we're no longer slaves to sin. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 6 when he said, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man, that's not your father, Your old man, that means your old self, was crucified with him that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. You see, an attitude can lead to a habit and a habit can lead to an addiction, right? And before you know, we're under the power of that addiction, right? I made a mistake and I and I did something against the plan of God in my life, and I found myself in this place where I sinned against him, but it went way further than that, because sin will always take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay, right? And so what happens in our old life, come on, somebody say old. In our old life, we became slaves to that sin, Now it ruled over us. For me, it went from having fun with friends and partying to, um, hey, uh, let's go out. Let's go out tonight. Yeah, let's go. And and then to, um, hey, do you have any of that stuff? To, hey, uh, where can I buy some of that stuff? To, um, hey, man, I don't have any money. Can you get some for me? To, um, hey, man, meet me at place, place, and place, and place. And, uh, and before you know, um, I don't just want it. I, I now need it. You see the progression? How sin takes us further than we want to go? And we were slaves to sin. And maybe it wasn't drugs. Maybe it was, maybe it was an attitude. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was something else in your life. I don't know what it was. But if you became a slave to that thing, to what people think about me, and I, I just, I, I just, I, I, I've got to do this to my body because I, I just want people to accept me, and, and I've got to do this because if I do this, then uh, if I if I run with this crowd, then then I'll be accepted. And we find ourselves now slaves to that thing, but in the resurrection. We now have triumph over it 
we now step on it. We are above only and not beneath. Come on, we're not in the grave any longer. Come on, that thing went into the waters of baptism. That sin went into the waters of baptism. And it was left there. What came out of the waters of baptism was a brand new life in Christ. And now I want to live for him. And not only do I want to live for him, but he gives me the power to overcome. Since he overcame, I can overcome. There's nothing that I can't do in Christ because he rose. I'm going to rise above. So I'm putting hope in somebody today. And that's my third point. The resurrection gives us true hope. Hope is the expectation of good. The expectation that something good is going to come out of this. I don't know how. I mean, I am challenged by this thing, but somehow something Good is about to happen. I've got hope. First Peter chapter one, verse three, Peter wrote this. Peter, who denied Jesus three times, who put his foot in his mouth too many times and spoke before he thought. Right? Peter. When the rooster crowed, he went out and he wept bitterly when he denied the Lord three times. But at the resurrection, after the resurrection, he went out fishing and said, ah, I might as well just go fishing. When in doubt, go fishing. I don't like fishing, by the way, but that's another commercial. We won't go there. When in doubt, go fishing, Peter was like. I'm going to go back to my old ways. I'm going to go back to my old job. Gonna go hang out with the old buddies. We got the net on the boat. We got some other things in the cooler. Come on, somebody. The cooler. That's how they say it in New York. Cooler. I'm going out. I'm going fishing. And he's out fishing. He can't catch anything. And on the shoreline, there's Jesus broiling some fish. Jesus was probably like starting up the grill and said, fish, now. <laughs> Grilling up some fish. Man, who eats fish for breakfast? I don't. Jesus does. And Peter, John, I think it was John, somebody said, it's Jesus. And Peter puts on his clothes. You're supposed to take your clothes off before you jump in the water. Peter puts on his clothes. He didn't know what he was thinking. And he jumps in the water and he goes to Jesus. And Jesus says to him, Peter, do you love me? Three times he says to him, Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Three times he gives him instruction. But wait, I denied you three times. I'm worthy of no ministry at all, but yet you're calling me? He called Peter to serve him in ministry. God can turn your situation around. You think you're unworthy to be used of God? Well, look to the resurrection. What was dead is dead and what's alive is alive. Who you are in Christ is not who you were. 
And you know, it's in our weakness that we're strong. I was born and raised a German. Well, I am a German. I was born and raised German. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm German. And German people, you see, I can say something about your own nationality, but you can't say it about anybody else's nationality. But German people tend to be, not all of them, we're not judging anyone, but German people tend to be kind of cold, quiet, reserved, opinionated, without saying it. Who would know that God would call me to be a public speaker? Who would know? Listen, this strength is resurrection power. I can't do this. Lenny is not built this way. The old Lenny's not built this way. The new Lenny is built this way. And God can use you. I don't know where you are in this walk with Christ, but you might be sitting here today saying, oh, God can't use me. I've blown it too many times. Listen, bury it. Bury it in the waters of baptism and come alive in Jesus. You know, God actually wants to make a testimony out of your life. And the things that you've been through, it actually puts something in you of substance that you've got something to say to somebody. I've been where you're at and I, I got something to help you with. Jesus took me from the miry clay. He took me out of the earth. He took me out of dirt. He took me out of a mess and he raised me up to do something great for him. Jesus is in the business of raising people up. Wow, I didn't say that in the first service. It's for you. God's in the business of raising you up. Hallelujah. Man, I don't care what you've been through. God wants to raise you up. I don't care how down and depressed you are. You know, the Bible, the, the, the stats say that now since COVID, one out of every three persons suffers from some form of depression. Depression. Despair, doubt, down, pushed into the earth. Listen, rise up above it. Rise up. Come on, begin to see the risen Savior reaching down and taking your hand and pulling you up out of that mess and setting your gaze upon heaven and setting your gaze on new hope and setting your gaze on a new ministry and setting your gaze on a new life that he has in store for you. Set your gaze upon him, the risen Savior. Glory to God. Jesus gives us true hope. Did I even read this first, Peter? No. Chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy. Isn't it funny that Peter would say great mercy? According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hope is the expectation of good. And he's saying here, he's resurrected To give us a living hope. An expectation of good that won't die. An expectation of good that's alive. No matter how you try to kill it, it keeps popping up saying, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still God. I'm alive forevermore. I want to help you through. I'm going to get you through to the other side. Put your hope in me. Put your trust in me. Put your faith in me. I'm going to bring you through. Because he's put living hope on the inside of us. 
Great is the mystery that Christ in you, the hope of glory. There's hope on the, no matter how much you try to conjure up some kind of fleshly, fleshly hope. Oh, I hope, 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 I hope. Will this happen? I hope, 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 I hope. It ain't gonna happen. You know what? You could lose all fleshly hope, but there's still a hope on the inside of you that he put in you when you put your faith in his resurrection. There's a hope. Don't you dare give up. Because of Jesus rising from the dead, we have an expectation of good that doesn't die. He's alive and full of life. No matter what comes our way, Jesus gives us hope because he's risen. He's alive. He speaks and brings something out of nothing. He brings life out of death and light out of darkness. He can turn any situation around because he's always at work. He never slumbers nor sleeps. He saves, he heals, he delivers, he restores. He's always at work and listening to every prayer we pray. There is nothing that he cannot do. He has overcome every enemy. Is there anything too hard for our God? No. Abraham and Sarah, we sung about Abraham before. Abraham and Sarah experienced this very thing. I'm not going to give you the whole story of Abraham because you already know it. But Abraham, when he was getting close to the promise coming, how many know sometimes waiting is the hardest thing? You put your hope and your expectation, but uh, uh, how much longer do I have to wait? Hope deferred makes the heart sick, right? My hope keeps getting deferred. Abraham had that problem. Here's the story in Genesis 18. Is this okay this morning? I'm having such a good time. The Lord said, I will surely return to you, Abraham, about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, really, advanced in years. Listen to this. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. I'll keep it to PG. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? This is in the Word of God. This is not me. This is the Bible. The Bible says this, not me. (laughs) It's pretty uh, intricate. But listen to this. The Lord said to Abraham, after Sarah said that, The Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? She didn't say that. She said, what did she say? She said, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? But God said, why did she say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? It's because God hears your heart. No matter what kind of facade we put on, (laughs) God hears your heart. And this is what she was saying in her heart. How in the world can I bear a child when I'm so old? It's funny. 
It is hilarious to think that that could possible, possibly happen. Is, and then God says, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Plain and clear, word of God. Abraham and Sarah's circumstances were trying to choke out their hope of having a child. But their hope came alive when the Lord himself spoke to them, saying, is anything too hard for the Lord? In, in, in the book of Romans, Paul writes about Abraham, and he says, Abraham, against all hope, believed. Abraham... Listen, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it has been said, so shall your offspring be. It says that he did not waver at the promise. Even though his body was old, his wife's womb was dead, the Bible says. He still believed God. What was it? even against all natural hope, even against all the circumstances that are screaming, it's too late, Abe. Give it up. Your circumstances are never going to cause this thing. You, you, you've got no hope, Abraham. But there was something on the inside of him that was born in him by faith that God had given him. In that hope, he believed I'm going to dismiss all the circumstantial things that say it's hopeless and I'm going to hold on to the one thing, God's word, and I'm going to hold on to it and in that believe, in that hope. And there's a hope inside of each and every one of you when your human hope runs out, when you exhausted all your possibilities, there's a hope on the inside of you that says, I choose to believe. It's relentless. It won't give up. It's the hope that Jesus puts on the inside of us through the resurrection of the dead. Isn't that awesome? Against all odds, and when his circumstances were screaming, it's hopeless, Abraham had a hope, a living hope, the hope that's alive, deposited there by God. And I don't know what you might be going through this morning. The odds are stacked against you maybe and it feels like in the natural hopeless. I'm here to tell you that that is what it felt like to the disciples of Jesus. They were like, all hope is gone. We are helpless and hopeless without the master. The master went to the cross and now he's dead and they buried him. We thought that maybe he might come off the cross, but no, he went all the way to death. They even came around to break his legs and they didn't break his legs because he was already dead. So we know when they put a spear in his side, blood and water came out. We know that he truly physically died and now he's in the tomb. We have lost all hope. The Bible says that all forsook him. The only one that remained was John and his mother Mary at the cross. 
They all forsook. This is Jesus. I can't be identified with this because I thought that you were going to come and restore Israel. I thought that you were going to come and be the king. I thought that you were going to overthrow the Roman governor and you were going to ascend the throne and be our king. And righteousness would would prevail. But they didn't understand that Isaiah 53 said he was crushed for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we're healed. They failed to see that the, that the, that the Christ must suffer before he rose. But I don't know what you're going through. Because on that third day their hope came back to life. And I'm here to say it's not over for you. It's not over. It might be Friday or Saturday, but Sunday's coming. I don't know what you're, you might be feeling like something's dead in your life. And you got to let God speak over that thing. And let him bring it back again in hope. Number four. The resurrection fuels our faith. Do you know that the church is built on the message that Jesus is alive? I mean, why should we gather together? What are we doing? Spirit, what are we doing? Calisthenics up here? Like, why do we gather? We gather to worship the risen Savior. It was the message from the very beginning. Peter's first message on the day of Pentecost was that Jesus is risen. (laughs) The government officials tried to stop the early church from preaching in the name of Jesus because they didn't want the name to prevail. They didn't want the name to continue in the community. They tried to make up a lie that said the disciples came at night and stole his body from the tomb. The last message that the world wants to hear is that Jesus is alive. You know why? Because then they're accountable for their own life. Is that okay to say? It's not for you, it's for them. They don't want to hear the message. They don't want to even hear it from you. Jesus changed my life. (laughs) I've got a brand new life and Jesus did it. I ain't the man I used to be. I've been changed, transformed. And I'm being renewed each and every day. Though our outward man is perishing, my inward man is being renewed day by day. I'm getting younger on the inside and older on the outside. Nobody's laughing at my jokes. (laughs) Hilarious. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He's saying this resurrection, it fuels our faith. He said, I passed on to you what was most important, Corinthian church, but what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Jump down to verse 12. He says this to them. He puts a, he puts a, a kind of like a challenge out to them and he kind of approaches it from the negative side. And he says this. 
since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there will be no resurrection of the dead? If there's, if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ was not, has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the whole world. Verse 20, but in fact, somebody say in fact. Come on, say it again. In fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. <laughs> he is the first, a great harvest of all who have died. Paul is making the point that without the resurrection of Jesus, we have no need for faith. Our faith is useless and our preaching is in vain. If there is no hope of rising over sin, over fear, over addictions, over sickness, over adversity, if there's no hope for that, we should just shut up and go home. And that's what the world wants us to do. Shut up and go home. But we have a message. Do you see what I'm saying? We have a message that Jesus is alive. And we don't say this to people when we talk to them about the Lord. We don't say this, but it's true. Like, what are they going to do with the risen Jesus? You can argue with me all you want. Well, I don't really believe this. All this. What are you going to do with the risen Savior who died for you, who loves you, who's alive right now? Who's with us right now? He's Emmanuel, God with us. What are you going to do with him? Man, it's a powerful message. Here's, here's my statement. The church exists to proclaim that Jesus Christ is risen. That's why we're here. <laughs> We are here to proclaim that Jesus Christ is alive. I've got good news. I've got good news. He died, but he rose from the dead. And all of the benefits of the resurrection are yours and mine. When we put our faith not only in the cross, but in the cross and the resurrection. And when we get to the ascension, I'm not allowed to preach about that yet, but when we get to the ascension and the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, it gets even better. Woo, it gets even better. There's so much more that he has for you. Would you stand to your feet with me? I'm gonna pray for you. He's going to turn things around for you. Come on, late in the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. He's going to work in your favor when you put your faith and your trust in the risen Savior. Would you pray with me? 
Every head bowed, let's pray. Father, I pray for this great church. I pray an impartation of faith and of hope in them like never before because they're going to acknowledge, realize, and believe that you came, you died, but you rose on the third day. You're alive today. And we put our faith in a risen Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. We give you praise. We give you glory and honor in this house. We give honor to your name, the name that is above every name in this house. Jesus Christ is risen.